live from Dubai. This is the drive home with Rebecca Ricketts. Good afternoon and welcome to Monday's drive home show, live from Dubai, with me, Rebecca Ricketts. On today's show, I am joined by Zara Harrington, principal of Safa British School here in Dubai, who is also my boss. Um, Zara is the schoolscompared.com principal of the year and has lots to share when talking about leadership and teaching overseas. Join in the conversation by calling or texting in. Live from Dubai, this is The Drive Home with Rebecca Ricketts on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So hello and welcome to today's Drive Home Show. Oh, it feels like forever since I've been on the show and it is absolutely wonderful to be back. Um, so there's been an inspection at school. I've had a half-term break. But yeah, it is so, so wonderful to be back doing tonight's show. Well, today, this afternoon, depending on where you are. So for anybody who is back at school today, like me, um, I hope you've had a great first day back. And for those of you who have just started your holidays, oh my goodness, enjoy. Enjoy every minute of them, please. Um, absolutely enjoy. So today's show is going to be an absolutely great one, as I am going to be joined by the principal of my school, Zara Harrington. Those of you who have listened to the show before have heard me talk about my new role in my new school, so I am very, very excited to introduce all the listeners to the lady at the helm, and Zara will be joining me very, very shortly. I am going to keep today's introduction to the show fairly short and brief because I've got a lot of questions to ask today's guest um, about leadership, about developing a school and about teaching overseas. But whilst I mention this, I, um, I'm just going to add a little shameless plug. We are still recruiting for the fourth and final English teacher to join our ever-growing faculty in the secondary school at Safa British. We're looking for a skilled English teacher who loves to work collaboratively in schools that have got a real family and community feel. And if you can teach drama or media too, that would be an even bigger bonus. <laughs> so the post, like many other international adverts, will be out on test this week. And if you do want to get in touch and have any questions, you can obviously find me on Twitter. And hopefully when you've heard Zara and I talk about what it's like to work in Dubai, and specifically at our wonderful school, you will be very, very interested to hear. So since my last show, which, as I said, feels like forever ago, um, I've been really making some traction at school with whole school literacy. Um, anybody that listened to my last show, which really was a really long time ago, it was my first ever solo show and I discussed all the things that we've been doing in the secondary school to make reading and literacy really, really visible. What's been wonderful is how on board staff are and have been with the new initiatives and reading and vocabulary development is really shining through all parts of the curriculum. With everybody's latest obsession, Wordle, I mean, during half term, it got to the point where I was doing it at midnight. I'm not even going to be ashamed to admit it. Um, that's been helping the momentum. Students are getting involved. Staff are talking about it. And then also the staff in the secondary were getting a little bit competitive with our scores on Word Scramble on our phones. It's the worst procrastination tool ever, but it's also the best. Um, so if you've not come across Word Scramble, um, 
So you should definitely download it, but maybe think about your marking at the same time because <laughs> um, it's definitely been a good distraction for me. Um, with the students, though, they're really enjoying the competition element. When I was doing a lot of research, and you know things that people always say, competition, you really can't undervalue the worth of that. And we've been using Scrabble a lot, again, across all of the curriculum. Um, students focusing on the vocabulary that they're learning, that they're acquiring in their topics and units of work. And every week, they've got to come up with the highest scoring word with that unit and topic. And it's really nice to see that element of competition and students really trying very hard. So before half term, the next piece of the puzzle was added in the form of an online parent meeting. Um, that was one of the biggest steps for me in terms of building that communication and that dialogue and getting parents really on board, not only to see why we were doing and what we were doing, but the impact that it's been having. I've spoken a few times on this show about using Reading Plus, but being able to actually share data with parents that was live and tangible really enabled us to communicate with them the importance of reading. Um, so that dialogue between home and school just with the focus on reading has really now started to open up. So as I said, my last show for anybody who is interested really covers how we have been developing reading across the curriculum in the secondary school. And it's full of tried and tested tips from a range of really great, fabulous experts. So have a listen. Next week, as part of my development with teaching and learning, I am going to be working with staff on questioning strategies. So if anybody does have any tips, any advice, any research that they think I should be definitely looking at before I work with staff next week, please send a message. Let me know. It's always great to have advice from people who've got tried and tested methods. Anyway, as I said, I was going to keep this introduction very, very brief because the questions that I've passed on to Zara are quite lengthy. Um, <laughs> so I can imagine we're going to be doing a lot of talking. And as I said, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by the principal of South British School, who's also my boss, Zara Harrington. She will be with me just after this short break for the news and the adverts, and then we can get chatting. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen great improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, 
You'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A report from the Consortium for Research into Deaf Education has shown that the number of specialist teachers of the deaf in England has fallen by 16.5% since 2011. The National Deaf Children's Society has said that the deaf children already fall behind at every stage of school and they fear that this decline will increase as a result of 53% of existing staff being over the age of 50. Mike Hobday, Director of Policy and Campaigns at the NDCS said, Teachers of the deaf play an absolutely crucial role, but year after year they've been cut just to balance the books. As a result, deaf children are left fighting for their futures and falling behind at every stage of school. We need urgent action to fix this issue, but there is no guarantee that more funding for schools will be enough to provide exactly what deaf pupils need. A spokesperson for the Department of Education said, all children and young people, including those who are deaf or have a hearing impairment, should receive the support they need to succeed in their education. That's why there is a legal requirement for teachers to hold relevant mandatory qualifications when teaching classes of pupils who have a sensory impairment. In Wales, head teachers have warned that lockdowns have left many young people unable to cope as bad behaviour has soared in schools. Jane Harries, head teacher of Haverford West High, warned, there will be very few schools in Wales now who do not have some involvement with the police. It is a tiny minority of children, but it has risen in the pandemic. Jackie Parker, head teacher of Crickhowell High in Powys, said school was a magic cocktail that allows students to develop emotionally and academically. She said, Students have done incredibly well, but we are now in a situation where we need to do serious work around behaviour. It brings to the fore that schools are more than academic institutions. School is about emotional intelligence, empathy and friendship, as well as academic performance. There will be no quick fix. The NAS UWT union has had an increase in the reports from members of higher levels of verbal abuse from children. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today, I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears, giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select, which is draw a shape around what you want, window select, which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select, which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this, but stay tuned. There is. Finally, there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board, you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar. Right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and Sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful, did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So hello and welcome back to Monday's Drive Home Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, live in Dubai, where I am going to be joined by Zara Harrington, the principal of Safa British School and my boss. I can never get over how much I love that two-minute tech. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's such a good addition that I just find it really, really entertaining. Um, anyway, Zara should be with us now. Zara, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for very much for having me. Oh, I think it's going to be great. <laughs> I really do. I've been very excited about this all day. Um, so to just kick off so that people could get to know you a little bit better, um, could you please introduce yourself and your career to date? Oh, okay. I'm not sure I'm going to be very good at that. Um, I am Zara Harrington and I have a brilliant job of being the principal at Safa British School here in Dubai in the UAE. Uh, my career today, I don't think I've had a sort of a regular teacher career as most people have. I have uh, started life, as it were, a career in hotel management and I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was really, really rewarding. And as part of that, I had to reach out to the community and uh, do the talk, you know the career talks and things like that and each time I went into a school to deliver a career talk I was told have you ever thought about teaching and I said no that's not for me and then after many years of being have you ever thought about teaching I was like oh maybe I maybe I ought to think about it so as I had never thought about teaching had never done anything to do with teaching I packed a rucksack and headed over to India and I thought to myself, if I'm going to be a teacher, I have to do it with zero resources and nothing around me, because if I have the skill, then I'm going to have it with nothing. And so that's what I did. Uh, built a slum school uh, in southern India 
and taught the children there for a year thoroughly enjoyed it and thought oh, I reckon I can do this teaching uh, <laughs> thing did a GTP as it was a route at that stage where you were going into it in your 30s dare I say and started my teaching career uh, into my 30s and never really looked back I think for me I went into leadership quite quickly purely because of the career I had had before. So therefore, the transferable skills that I had, although different, did allow me into leadership um, quite quickly, for want of a better word. And then now I'm 12 years ahead teacher, although that makes me feel very old when I say it like that. Yeah, and that's me. I'm not really sure I've had a great career, but I'm here. Well, that's an incredible story. I had no idea that you'd been in India and started it that way. That is really quite incredible. Oh, I do like to do things differently, Rebecca, as you well know. <laughs> um, so my next question is, what drew you to international teaching? I mean, obviously the experience in India was one thing, but what then compelled you to come back or certainly start life in Dubai? Um, it was actually it was actually due to a family situation. My daughter... Um, developed something called lupus which is like a blood disorder and as we were going through that in the middle of winter when she was younger um, the doctor said the only way you're going to be able to do this is if you live in a hot country and that's kind of that was it I literally opened up TES and was like where is hot all year round so my daughter can have a normal life and that was it so I don't know whether it drew me or whether the circumstances ended up here that's what it was so it was a it wasn't a normal route I'm afraid no but still very interesting it's still very brave I mean obviously with everything with your daughter but still to pack everything up and you know I find a lot of people when I start talking about international teaching and actually making that leap it's that kind of am I brave enough can I do it so I wondered what kind of advice you might have to anybody who is listening who is looking to lo relocate because as you know right now we're in the midst of all of the recruitment. So yeah, what advice would you give to anybody that might be looking to relocate and teach abroad? I always say to people, um, it's picture yourself on the worst day you've had so far. And what do you do? And who do you sit down and have a cup of tea with? And that's what I say to them. So if they go, oh, I do this, or I do that, or I go around the corner to see my mum or whatever, then that sort of tells me what kind of person they are. And then from that, I go, right, if your mum wasn't there, then what would you do? And that's what I say to people. You've got to have the right scaffolding around you to be able to teach internationally. And whether that is get up and go, I'm really good at making friends, whether that is my friends are already out there, I want to do this, whether that is I've got a travel bugging me and I want to sort of, you know, explore. And I always say to those that are thinking of coming internationally, you never work as hard as you did it when you were at home. And I think that's the bit that really um, I try and emphasize quite a lot through recruitment and through having, uh, you know, people come from all around the world to suffer is I always say to them, you know, this isn't the sunshine all year round. You know, the hours that you put in and the commitment that you make, it's way more than that. And so that's what I try and sort of say to them is that really think about the worst day in the UK can you cope without the scaffolding that you have around you and can you build that scaffolding and bring it wherever you are in the world? I think that's a really good piece of advice and we're talking about scaffolding and my mum is listening right now so hi mum thank you. <laughs> 
you see it doesn't matter how far away you are you <laughs> they're always there so I think that's a really good piece of advice and I think it's something that you know maybe a lot of people take for granted and people see our Instagram feeds and our Twitter feeds and they think oh there she is again being obnoxious in the sun sunshine while storm Eunice is raging but you are right it is hard work isn't it and it does take it does take a lot we appreciate those breaks definitely yeah, and I think also what people underestimate completely is um, the isolation that sometimes we would have being internationally. And we did make that choice. We made that conscious choice, don't get me wrong. But then, you know, when you when you don't have that support network or you haven't created it when you have arrived somewhere, um, they always say expats, you know, their friends become their family. And I would always emphasize that you've got to make an effort to have a really, really good support network. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you say your friends become your family. I've talked a lot on here about my Dubai family and, you know, we have Dubai family Christmas and it's something that you have to really nurture, isn't it? And you have to really take care of as well as then balancing the friendships and the relationships that you've got back in the UK or wherever you've come from. It really is quite a juggling act, I find sometimes. What about you? Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of uh, preconceptions from people at home about what what it gets up to, you know, like, I might not post a photo for several weeks, and then I'll be on the beach, and it would look all glorious. And I'm like, well, actually, you know, I've worked X amount of hours in the weeks that I haven't been posting. So I think it weighs it up. I try really hard to go back home as often as I can, and just be at home. But that's not really my home anymore because my family's here, my life is here. So it's one of those funny moments where you go, so where is home now? And what pulls me home is obviously always family and, and connecting. But you can connect all kinds of way with family and friends now. So it's not like it used to be even two years ago, if we think about our lives, and now we think about them now. It's very different now. No, I think you're totally right. And I think that is the pull, isn't it? Like family is the driver. I think if there weren't people at home, I could quite easily stay here all year round and travel from here. But it's it's the ability. And I, for me, that was one of the biggest pulls with Dubai um, was, well, we start, it's easier now, but certainly, we like you say, we've lived through it. But it's the actual ease of being able to get home in comparison to other places. It's definitely made the world feel a lot smaller, I think, living in the Middle East. Oh, agreed. And you're one plane ride away, which is seven hours. I mean, sometimes when you're in the UK, you can't get from one place to another in seven hours, let alone, you know, across several countries. And that's what I always think. It's one plane ride. That's it. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And I've just booked, I'm going home at Easter, which I've never done before. So that's going to, that's going to be a real treat. So I can't wait. Um, anyway, I'm going to move on because I really want you to share with the listeners about Safa British School. Um, because it's an incredibly wonderful, unique place to work. And I don't think anybody talks about it more passionately and better than you do. So could you please tell everybody what our school is like? Oh my God, the pressure of, of telling <laughs> anybody about, about, about my school. Um, I don't really know that I can describe my school. I always say to people, um, my school is a genuine school. So whatever you say it is on the tin, that's what my school is. And we never, ever, ever go the easy route. You know, if there's road A and then there's road B and everyone goes down road B, 
I'm not going to go down road A, I'm going to build my own road C. (laughs) And I think that that from me and that driving force um, from the team that I have, and everyone says they have a wonderful team, but I genuinely do have a wonderful team and I genuinely have a fabulous ethos in the school. And it is created because everybody that we recruit, we're very particular about who we onboard into our school. And the reason we do that is because we actually want a healthy, harmonious environment. Um, I know that, you know, there's lots of talk at the moment about toxic work environments and the impact of that with the students after the pandemic and all of those parts of it. And I just think, well, it only turns toxic if you haven't got the right people and they haven't got the right tools to do their job. And we work so hard as an extended leadership team to make sure that the people that we onboard are the right people, but also they have everything they need to be successful. Um, uh, People always say to me when they come from other schools, um, maybe in locality or, you know, maybe from elsewhere in the world, they they always they always say um, how special it is, and I don't think you realise when you go to the building every day. It's work. It's work for me, and I go in every day as you do, and you know we've got things to do, and we you know we're very very busy. But it's only when people come in from outside that you go, oh, hang on a minute, I've just got to stop and breathe a moment because they're saying this about you know the school that we go to. And so today we had an external visitor in who'd never been to the school before and literally couldn't stop telling me how wonderful the school was. And they saw it for like 15 minutes. And you kind of stand there and go, oh, yeah, you know, thank you very much. We work very hard, Lou. You're smiling at them. And then they're like, no, but do you realize how good your school is? And I was like, um don't really know what to say to you because <laughs> I want to say of course I know uh, but then I don't want to look like well of course we are and be all peacocky um so I'm like um thank you very much you know we work really hard to make our school lovely um I think the biggest thing for us is that um we have great owners we only have two of them they're not a big corporate company and they allow me to always put children first so therefore every decision that is made has a child in the center of it. And I think once you have that and you realize the customers are the children and nobody else, then you've got a winning school is what I would say. And of course I'm going to be biased and say my school's great because it really (laughs) is. I think that's so lovely what you said, putting the child at the center of every decision that we make. I mean, for us, it's a different kind of scenario, isn't it? Because we're in a private establishment, you know, places mean literally school fees it's different in some sense I guess to the UK but with that like you say you can there is that element of corporateness and my biggest fear when I and I've mentioned this many times on this show so for people that are listening to me I'm sorry for repeating myself my biggest fear when I was looking for a new job was having to because I'd love Dubai and I wanted to stay here was having to be in a school that was going to be corporate and I don't think I don't think you can ever take for granted the kind of, you know, we can see the Burj Khalifa from one side, we can see the Burj Al Arab from another, and then we've got this just lovely community, family feel school that would be just like any kind of community family feel school in the UK, except we've got 
so many different nationalities and so many different cultures and so much different heritage and it's yeah it really is a truly unique and special place to work I'm waxing lyrical right now (laughs) (laughs) I think it is and I think that we all have that ethos in mind if we want to go to we want to go to our workplace and we want to thoroughly enjoy it and that that stems from every part of us and every adult and we had an inspection team in quite recently and they said something to me that I think will stick with me for my entire career now. And they said that, that the staff that I have at Safra British are red carpet level. And I was just like, yeah, I know they are because I've recruited them. And yeah, I know. But when someone else says that to you and then acknowledges how hard they work and how impressive it is, you go, yeah, we're doing a good job here, guys. Like everybody at every level is doing an amazing job but we all are on the correct bus in the correct seat driving in the same direction so yes it's exciting it is exciting and what you've just said there I'm going to touch on later with you and we'll start talking about leadership about the fact you know being on the correct bus being in the right seat because that all comes obviously from communication and you know that's that's a top-down thing but I definitely want to talk to you a lot more about leadership as we go on today now you've mentioned um the ethos of the school and the values so my next question is what are the values and the ethos that has been important for you as you've instilled that as principal um I don't I don't think I've had a a a clear uh, ethos as in terms of like the mantra or anything like that. Um, I very much was, you know, it's all about children and it's all about that, you know, impacting on, on them and doing right by them. So the ethos really came from that. And for me, the ethos is about, and this is going to sound terribly cliche and I apologize to the listeners because it's just going to sound awful but for me, it's about being genuinely kind to each other and about caring and having that instilled from the three-year-olds to the 13-year-olds, which actually is very hard to balance and very hard to instill, um, especially when we have so many different cultures um, that in, in our school. But the best bit of it is that they don't see that. They just see their friends. They just see you know who they want to sit next to in what lesson and they don't see any other baggage and I think that's when we've got it right in our ethos is that genuine care for each other which I know is cliched and I apologize but it's not cliched though is it because you know I'm a big believer that we're not just you know I'm not just an English teacher or they're not just a maths teacher science whatever you're teaching the whole person and I I strongly believe that we're teaching that's the biggest responsibility that we're we're shaping people really without again that sounds really cliched and really cheesy but ultimately that's the goal isn't it we want them to be kind good people who like you say don't see the differences they just want to be with their friends yeah I always want to walk around my school and have a warm fizzy feeling because everyone's very excited to see me and the more I can do that the more I know that I'm creating a wonderful community so the day that that doesn't happen is a day that I think I've got to change jobs because at the moment, you know, uh, shock horror, my year nines are even think it's quite cool to still wave at me. I'm still <laughs> cool at this moment in time. I'm still okay. Um, but yeah, as I'm walking down, like the year nines are like, hi, Miss Arrington, how are you? Did you have a good holiday? And I was like, yeah, guys, I did actually. And I want to, I want to engage with them in conversation, but they also want to engage 
in conversation with adults and with other people around because they feel such part of a community and so that's when you know you've got an ethos right but it it takes blooming hard work I can tell you to get an ethos in a school just the way you want it I have to tell the listeners when Zara's talking about walking around school there was one day where I can't remember oh it was rule break day and you had the puppy well I mean I was practically chasing you down the corridor out of my classroom so if you're ever worried just just bring a puppy in again because that definitely I know the only thing is I think the listeners are going to think I'm slightly crazy Uh, note to self yes I am absolutely uh barking mad literally and then the rule break day was the children could break five school rules it was for charity and my school rule was I'm going to walk around with dogs which sent the entire population which was thousands of students and staff wild so if you ever want to disrupt your school I highly advise walking around with dogs it was one of the best days of my working life seeing a dog (laughs) up and down that corridor and but again though you know talking about that and that environment I've mentioned this to you recently, just in conversation. I remember coming and looking around the school and it was just before the winter break and it was towards the end of the day and over the intercom across the whole school, Christmas songs just started blaring out and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is where I need to work. If this is what's going to happen at the end of the school day and all the students are going to start having a dance off. I mean, listeners, this really does happen. I mean, it's so great to have Zara on here (laughs) to actually verify that this is the kind of environment that we have. And I think, again, it comes back to, yes, you work hard, but when you find the right place and you find the right environment, even the hardest working days and the, the longest days, they're then offset by magical moments such as those. And you definitely don't get that everywhere. And it is magic. It's wonderful. Yeah, I'm not sure. I have uh, two heads of school that are very different in personality to me. And they're very similar, actually, in their personalities. So if I'm going to do something slightly uh, crazy or not the norm, I actually have to have it shot correct checked off and approved by the head of secondary and the head of primary and we have a communal whatsapp group between us and for me it's always asking them can I do this can I do this can I do this and I have to wait till they both say yes to do something and random things like music um they both just give up for now like because it's just I'm not even going to ask you because one of you will say no and I still want to play the music (laughs) um and then you know what it does is it it gets the students just different. You know, the parents are walking out and they're singing. Um, you know, we might be going into the weekend and we're playing uh, It's Friday again. And we've got Saturday and Sunday song. And, you know, the parents are all moving to it. The kids are all moving to it. And you go, you've walked out of here. You've probably had a terrible day at work as parents. You've rushed in the traffic to pick up the children. And you're walking out dancing with a smile on your face because of the environment that we've created for your children. And I think that that's when you know it goes further than just you. And yes, I would be playing Christmas songs at an appropriate time of the year, but I probably would also have been dressed up as well, which is standard me. Yeah, you were, you were. (laughs) You had a very jumper on and I thought, yeah, this is it. This is where I need to be. (laughs) I just need to do a Christmas collection. That sounds about right. I, I seem to remember some of my secondary colleagues this particular year um, as, as I'm wearing a different jumper and 
dingle boppers and goodness knows what. And then one person came up to me and said, do you have one for every day of December? And I was like, yes. And then they asked to borrow some. So then I was like, I've won. I've got into the secondary team and <laughs> they have approved that I can wear this. So yes, um, it's always good to be different. I always think it's always good just to, you know, not follow the crowd. But isn't that such a good message to share with the children as well, though? You know, I think, again, that's one of the things, the secondary school in particular, where obviously that's where my experience lies, is so small that every child really is an individual and that's celebrated. And again, that's that's rare in any school. Yeah, our secondary students are very formidable. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're very unforgiving as well. So if you say you're going to do something, you, you best do it because, you know, there's going to there's gonna be trouble on the horizon if you don't. Um, I think for them, a lot of those have grown up uh, within SAFA. So SAFA is quite an old school in comparison. I mean, it sounds old. People from the, around the world or the UK listening going, oh, yeah, 2004 is established. You say it's an old school. But for Dubai, that's actually quite old. Um, and I think many of those, you know, started... Uh, in their early primary years and then went through so they are well and truly what we call purple um, and they're from that they've taken that into the secondary school and just added the sort of maturity onto it but they've never lost that community spirit um, and that's what I like about as I walk around the secondary school you know there is a genuine interest from the students to the adults around them and to each other. And I was like, that's not something I ever want to lose, no matter how old they get. And most of the students are now taller than me, which is rather <laughs> embarrassing, I'm not gonna lie. And uh, they actually find it more amusing by the day, which I obviously don't. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they'll sort of come up and they'll be stood next to me and they'll go, hello, Miss Harrington. Uh, and they'll, are you okay down there? Yeah, yeah, I'm good down here. Thank you very much, gents. And I think that maybe being around as a leader and showing that there is more to leadership than in terms of the sort of stuffiness for me, it's about having a personality and it's about making sure that's really, really evident on how you conduct yourself as a character. And hopefully that helps the students as they mature in through their adolescent years, that helps them to find their identity, which is what I'm hoping we're doing. Fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything crossed. Well, it seems to be working. This, you know, like you say, year nine, it's a tricky, tricky year, isn't it? Always, notoriously. But yeah, I think there's definitely, it does seem to be working. Now, you mentioned about being purple. Now, obviously, to you and I, we know exactly what that means. But would you like to just explain that to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, ugh, I just kind of make it up. No, what we say <laughs> is that because the uniform is purple, uh, everything about the person and we say that you know you're purple through and through and we actually found some books that um, a famous Hollywood actress uh, Kristen Bell wrote about purple people and it's about all the skills that these purple people have about being kind to each other about having tolerance um, about you know being diverse and accepting of others about being helpful and so everything that we kind of based on that we already knew we then shared this book called uh, 
why the why the world needs more purple people and now that's our mantra really so I said I didn't have one but actually I do um and it's about making sure that all of those skills that you want in a child growing up and through into adulthood that we emphasize those hugely through the primary school at Safa. And it's even reported on in their um, end of year reports about against those, what we call those soft skills, because it's really important that they know that that's the element of it. So we call it, we call it being purple and we have what we call a proud to be purple day. Now I'm never quite sure who gets more excited the students or their parents. Their parents decorate their cars, they bring in balloons and cakes, all in purple, because I actually think that they want to be their child in school. So quite often a parent will say to me, oh, if only I went to this school as a child. Um, and so that's what we say about being purple. It's about our community coming together and yeah, that goes beyond just our students. It also encompasses our parents. Which again, is such a key part of it. Like at the start of the show, I was talking about those online parent meetings and you know, people said, oh, you probably won't get that many eight o'clock on a Wednesday night. I think we were like touching on about 60 families. I couldn't believe it. And I've never had that kind of parental engagement in any school that I've ever worked eight o'clock on a Wednesday night. And they were keen and asking questions and wanted to know and then follow up emails. And that to me, yes, of course, it, it's more work, but it, it's work that you want to do because that's what we're trying to achieve, isn't it? Yeah, that's because we've created a school where everyone likes to chat. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> likes to chat. Yeah, here we um, are. <laughs> <laughs> and that but that's the best bit about the school is that everybody likes to chat and learn from each other and so you know saying you had that many families I'd be like oh yeah that's yeah that's about what we'd expect at that time on that night um sometimes more depending on if it's a busy club day or something like that but yeah they like to chat our parents um I'm gonna move on and I'm gonna ask you as a principal what is the best bit about your job uh, I would say now this this is actually an interesting one because obviously I was a principal here a couple of schools here in Dubai and a principal of a couple of schools in the UK and I think what threads them all together is the team of people I had around them which I know again is quite cliched um, but that's what I would say is the best part is the best part of getting the people around you to thoroughly enjoy your job and therefore the impact on the students. Um, but also, I don't like to be told what to do. I'm a really <laughs> bad person at following instructions. <laughs> um, so I always like to do it my way. And so the best part of my job is that I get to have a chat with everybody and still do it my way. <laughs> I think that's a great answer because um, I look at it and I think could I could I just don't know if I could ever go to the lofty heights of being a principal I just think the responsibility the decision making every single day I don't know how you do it sometimes I just think it's just so much there's so much responsibility um, and with that I'm just thinking you know there are so many wonderful things like you say the things that you've got to create and we'll come on to what you've done to the school and how it's how it's developed but what's the hardest part of your job because I think when you think about being a principal 
I think a lot of the difficulties kind of get a little bit forgotten on the day to day, you know, when teachers are teaching lots of lessons and they're, they're feeling really up against it. But ultimately, the book stops with you. So yeah, that is my next question. What is the hardest part about your job? Um, there's several elements of it, actually. And I would say it's harder than not, um, to be perfectly honest. And I would say that um, the hardest part is being, and this is going to sound like it's quite a negative, but I don't mean it that way. But I think people understand uh, what I'm saying is the hardest part is being everybody's punch bag. And what I mean by that is that everything comes to you and they say that it's quite lonely. I wouldn't say I was lonely. I would say as a character, I like to talk through, you know, solutions and different ways and all of those. And that always isn't possible as a principal because of maybe some, you know, uh, legal restrictions or uh, lots of different reasons why you can't necessarily say or talk about it through. So that part is quite lonely and everything is your fault. So you've got to have a really, really, really thick skin because everything is your fault. And whether it's the milk wasn't in the fridge on time, so when the staff got there to have a cup of tea, it wasn't there, to the bin wasn't emptied at lunchtime, to uh, there was a leak over the half term, you know, everything is is your fault. Um, and you've always got to smile. <laughs> so smile and nod is my little mantra. Um, so it's, it is a very hard job. I, I wouldn't put people off doing it, but I would say you have to have lots of things around you to support you, to enable you to feel successful because very often you come home and you feel like a failure because you've had to make a decision that someone somewhere hasn't liked and you have to accept that every decision you make, you're going to have 50% of the people liking it and 50% of the people giving their opinion that they don't like it. And if you're quite sensitive as a character, you take on each one of those negative uh, comments each time and they just build up and sit with you. And the hardest part for me is that people forget I'm a human being. Yeah. I think that is the thing, isn't it? It is that human being element. And, you know, I think teachers feel that sometimes kind of, you know, interactions with some of the students and parents. But I think ultimately when, like you say, everything lands at your door, I think I think it is quite important. Just as much, you know, we appreciate when the leadership remember that we're human and I've certainly worked in schools where that has not been the case. But it's definitely a two-way street, I always find. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you're when everyone's feeling rather stressed and there are pinch points we're in it we're in education we all know when those pinch points are and we all know that people feel a little bit more stressed at time you know especially when you've got a report deadline an assessment card to fill in you've got parents evenings or workshops you've got pd and then you've got something else that's come along and then you've got to make several phone calls home because somebody in the tutor group you needed to sort something out so you know teaching is is full of is full of pinch points and i think that You've just got to be mindful that other people around you are also have those pinch points. And whilst I personally may not show when those pinch points are, I'd like to think that 
people in my school would never know if I was having a pinch point moment or not because I would think that I worked hard enough to cover that but at the same time I'm still a human being so you know going around and the first thing that someone might say to me is uh, something that they weren't happy with and I'm like oh hello how are you did you have a nice time and I think it's about making sure that people remember that we're about people and we connect first and I think that is really important I think that's a really important message just to repeat that we are people, yes, and it is important to connect first. Now, I am just going to go back and play the ads and the news and the tech for a minute just to give you a little break. And then I'm going to be back with Zara to carry on our conversation, focusing next a little bit on leadership and then some more teaching style questions. So Zara, thank you so much for joining me and we will be back just after this. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. U-P-L-E-A-R-N If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, We'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A report from the Consortium for Research into Deaf Education has shown that the number of specialist teachers of the deaf in England has fallen by 16.5% since 2011. The National Deaf Children's Society has said that the deaf children already fall behind at every stage of school and they fear that this decline will increase as a result of 53% of existing staff being over the age of 50. Mike Hobday Director of Policy and Campaigns at the NDCS said, Teachers of the deaf 
play an absolutely crucial role, but year after year, they've been cut just to balance the books. As a result, deaf children are left fighting for their futures and falling behind at every stage of school. We need urgent action to fix this issue, but there is no guarantee that more funding for schools will be enough to provide exactly what deaf pupils need. A spokesperson for the Department of Education said, all children and young people, including those who are deaf or have a hearing impairment, should receive the support they need to succeed in their education. That's why there is a legal requirement for teachers to hold relevant mandatory qualifications when teaching classes of pupils who have a sensory impairment. In Wales, warned that left many young people unable to cope as bad behaviour has soared in schools. Jane Harries, head teacher of Haverford West High, warned, there will be very few schools in Wales now who do not have some involvement with the police. It is a tiny minority of children, but it has risen in the pandemic. Jackie Parker, head teacher of Crickhowell High in Powys, said school was a magic cocktail that allows students to develop emotionally and academically. She said, students have done incredibly well, but we are now in a situation where we need to do serious work around behaviour. It brings to the fore that schools are more than academic institutions. School is about emotional intelligence, empathy and friendship, as well as academic performance. There will be no quick fix. The NAS-UWT union has had an increase in the reports from members of higher levels of verbal abuse from children. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today, I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears, giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select, which is draw a shape around what you want, window select, which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select, which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this, but stay tuned. There is. Finally, there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board, you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar. Right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and Sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful, 
Did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Monday's Drive Home Show with me, Rebecca Ricketts, live in Dubai, where I am joined by Zara Harrington, who is the principal of Safa British School, where it just so happens, very coincidentally, that's where I also work. So Zara, thank you so much for taking up your Monday evening and joining me today. It's absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show. Ah, thank you. I'm so pleased that you thought to invite me more than anything. You know, I like a chat. (laughs) What's really interesting is whilst we were just on the break, I was going through Twitter and um, Tom Rogers, um, the man behind Teachers Talk Radio, who had been listening to our conversation, said, what do people think? Do people think that teaching abroad is easier or harder than teaching in the UK? I always think this is a really interesting question. Now, my only point of reference is Dubai. Um, I Personally, I think it's harder in a way, as in I think the accountability is higher. I think, I think the hours are longer, those early mornings. They're still not my strong point. Um, but the work-life balance and the lifestyle is so much better And I think that for me is the difference and that's the payoff. I think there's a lot more respect maybe overseas or maybe it's just because I'm lucky with the places that I've worked when I've worked in Dubai. But I don't know, I'd be interested in your opinion. We kind of touched on this already, but I do think that it's definitely harder, but I think that the the positives outweigh, outweigh that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we also look for the positives, don't we? Because we've taken ourselves away from our family and what we knew. And we we would probably look for the positives much more. We probably make more of an effort to uh, see people or do things than we probably would do if we were at home. Um, We might take it a little bit for granted if we lived around the corner from our family. We wouldn't probably see them as much quality time as we do Mm -hmm. when we go back. In terms of working, I think it depends on what country you're in to what their Ministry of Education expect from you. And I think that if you go to a slightly less well-established um, Ministry of Educations, therefore the, the sort of support network that you'd get when you were at home, and I'm thinking home for me is UK, um, you know, in terms of the periphery services and everything around you, I think is, is, is stronger at home. However, the amount of effort to get the same standard here requires more more effort, should I say, and it requires you to do a lot more hours and fact-finding yourself. Um, You've also got a language barrier and legalities as well, which I think creates another part of international teaching that potentially people don't always consider because it does look very tempting. And I'm thinking, you know, of... um, family and colleagues in the UK that are currently having about the 50th wet play in a row um, and you're thinking oh my goodness me all that rain and the wind and you know the damage that the storms are doing and then you're thinking well actually I, I don't have that 
um, at this moment in time. There's other things that you could counteract. So is it harder? Yes, but I think the perception is it's actually easier. Yeah, I think so too. I think it is the perception that it's easier. You know, I think about, for example, even the COVID measures. And today, I mean, were we only into lesson two, I believe? I was certainly sat by the end of the Yeah. And by 9am, I had my unannounced uh, compliance inspection where they inspect every single child, mask, social distancing, what's open, what's not open. And it's rigorous. It's absolutely rigorous. And it gets done every single week, sometimes more than once a week. So by 9am today, I had my first visit of the week. And by 9am, we are also well into second lesson. So, you know, putting that just into context, the fact when we hear it over the intercom and the students just look at me and I look at them and I'm like, just carry on. It's fine. We're doing what we're doing. We're socially distanced. We've got our masks on. And it's been like that for us, hasn't it, ever since schools were allowed to reopen. And I suppose that's the kind of the thing that we've kept the cross we've kind of got to bear isn't it because at least we get to have that face-to-face learning but even just small things and they're not small things but even just those changes make such a difference to the day don't they or that part of the day well yeah because I lost most of my morning on a compliance visit whereas you know I haven't seen some of the students and staff for a week so actually what I wanted you can imagine what I wanted to be doing is <laughs> patrolling the corridors and annoying everyone um and I wasn't given that option. And I think it's just what it is. And I think they're the bits that you don't hear about when you're in international teaching, the level of pressure that you have, also the um, sort of scrutiny and annual inspections and lots of things like that. It's very different. We just don't talk about those things because we just accept them as part of our international teaching. Um, but it would be very different if we were at home. No, I completely agree. Anyway, I've massively digressed. I just, when I saw that, I thought I'd be really interested in your opinion. And whilst we're here, Freya, it is so lovely to see that you've joined the show. Freya, one of my absolute teaching heroes, international educator. She completely understands everything that we're talking from. So hello from Dubai to Italy to you, Freya. It's lovely to have you joining us today. Um, So Zara, going back. So I've got so many more questions and I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking, oh gosh, I've overplanned. (laughs) But we will plow on and see how we do. Um, So we've just started talking about leadership. So my next question to you is, in your opinion, what are the qualities of a good leader? I'm not sure my opinion counts for anything. I I don't don't know whether... (laughs) I don't know whether I, I can answer this I mean obviously I can but I think it really depends on the situation that you're in and the school that you're in and the country that you're in because each part of leadership requires a different quality and it's never straightforward and you never use the same skills in two days so you have to be a literal jack of all trades Um, and whilst you know I also think you have to be a nice person and <laughs> people have to like you. Um, I I think for me, I am very good at selling a vision and I know I am. I know that I can sort of say, right, this is what we're going to do. And everyone goes, all right, yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. 
and then I give them a little bit more information and then they get excited and then people run with it and I know that that's a skill that I have um was it selling ice to the Eskimos probably um but for me being a good leader is never losing sight of why you're a leader so for us we're in education and it's children so for me everything has to come back to the child so every decision you make as a leader has to have the child in the center I think what you said as well about you know people have to like you you want him to be you know a leader has to be nice we kind of say that joking laughing but I actually think that that can never ever be underestimated I think that's so important when you think about you know people have to believe in in you I suppose don't you you're you're the face of it and you're the person that's that's fronting it and again having worked in situations where that hasn't been the case the difference in that kind of workplace environment it it's staggering it can never be underestimated or undervalued I don't think I think that people take advantage uh, when they're lacking their own self-confidence as leaders um and I think that's where it can go a little bit wrong I mean uh, you know I stood on stage in front of 200 staff and played the greatest showman because I thought it was really funny and I thought it was really cool and I had my head of primary and my head of secondary looking at me like they were going to stab me (laughs) because they could not believe I did that and I'm just like guys this is me this is what I am this is the personality this is the school I've built this is what I want you to to deliver to the students. And everyone's nodding at me apart from my two senior leaders <laughs> who absolutely were not okay. Uh, and the best bit was, as we were walking up in August to see all, all of the staff together, and it was a really nice sight because it was the first time in two years we could all be together. So it's, it was a lot of emotions running high for many people. And I was walking up behind the head of primary and head of secondary who I am portraying as as demons and they're not they're fabulous people but they were like have you have you verified what Zara's doing and the other one said no I've not checked it I thought you did and they had this moment of neither of them had checked what I was doing and I thought it was hilarious because I knew they hadn't checked it so I sprinted into the auditorium because I was ready to go they were not (laughs) impressed and I think that that's what I mean by being approachable and by being, you know, true and getting people to like you. You're only going to be able to lead if you've got a good vision and you only have a good vision if people buy into it. So you've got to be nice and you've got to be liked. I think that's actually very clear. I think it's very straightforward and I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, you have got to be clear. You've got to have that vision. But ultimately, people are buying into to you as a person as well, aren't they? And I think... For anybody listening, I think that's a, as good an answer as we, we need. Um, now, my next question is actually for people thinking about leadership, and we've kind of touched on this already. Um, but what advice would you give to people who are, you know, not even to principal level, but, you know, wanting to start moving up the ladder, thinking about maybe middle leadership roles, senior leadership roles? What advice would you give to people in that kind of position? I would always say to people, um, you know, career progression is fabulous, but it doesn't have to be in the same route as, as everyone's always done. And I would say that have a really good dialogue with your senior leadership team because they they have more of a, a helicopter view of where things are going or maybe they might know more about sort of, you know, 
they've read something in a educational supplement or something like that. And I would say have that dialogue because sometimes when you're thinking about stepping into leadership, you don't actually know what that is. Is it managing people? Is it managing a subject? Is it managing the students to do something in particular? And each one of those areas are all middle leadership levels, but they require very different skills. And a skill that you may think you're good at or like, but actually when you've spoken with somebody, it actually turns out to be something different. So I remember a few years ago, putting out some middle leadership roles and you know someone applied for them and came to them and I literally turned around to them and said why are you applying for this and I I literally they burst into tears on me which wasn't my intention at all I thought I was having a you know a dialogue with them and I was like you could do that with your eyes closed you're already doing a portion of that now why didn't you consider this and they were like hang on a minute, you know, I spent the night talking to my mum about, you know, what I was going to say in the interview, they prepared the presentation, they're doing all that. And I'd literally whipped it out from underneath them in 30 seconds. I sent them away to think about what I'd said to them to then come back to me the next day. And they were like, you're right. And I was like, oh, I'm very rarely not right. But okay, thanks. Um, And I think that, you know, having somebody good in in a leadership team in a school and having that dialogue, even if you are an NQT or an RQT and you're going, I'm not sure where I want to be when I want to get there, but can I have that dialogue with you is amazing. I think that's also, you know, something that we kind of forget because obviously the day-to-day is so busy, but that kind of coaching and mentoring element, it is really important. And, you know, you do get kind of mentored through your NQT year, but maybe that shouldn't stop. You know, like you say, keep that dialogue open, keep those kind of coaching groups together. I think that would be something that would be really helpful, you know, across whatever level that you're at, really, if you can, I don't know, find a way to fit it into everybody's busy lives and schedules. But I do think that's actually a really positive idea. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you work in a school that, you know, cares about people, they have, you know, all of the, you know, network meetings and things like that. And that's where you're going to learn more than anything is through connecting with people, but not necessarily just in your school. I mean, out and about and in the wider through something like this. Connection is really powerful and it's so underestimated. I'm just, I'm just saying this, I do this every time in every show, I'm just like scribbling down loads of notes and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, and then I, I say it every time, people can't see that I'm nodding and writing along and I'm <laughs> furiously making notes. Now, and I know, I know how you feel when this is mentioned, but I'm doing it anyway because it really needs to be discussed. Um, Zara was actually nominated and won the award for Principal of the Year here in the UAE from schoolscompared.com. And I think it would be very remiss of me to not actually bring this up and talk about it when we're talking about qualities of leadership and we're talking about, you know, developing people and staff and building schools. How did it feel when you won such a prestigious award? Tell everybody about it. To, to be honest, I'm still in a bit like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Um, and I'm embarrassed because <laughs> um, I think that, you know, being awarded something, I mean, the, the, to, to be, so you, I was actually nominated, so I've lost my words now. I was actually nominated by um, someone in school. 
So it was one of the senior leaders that that nominated me um, and felt it was felt very strongly that what I had done in the last sort of 18 months and things, and they know me very well as a, as a person. And they were like, we feel that other people should know you know how good you are and I'm like guys you are biased you know like (laughs) the leadership team are biased that I work with because I work with them every day and then they actually got one of the owners well actually both of the owners involved and one of the owners made this I'll have to give you a copy of this book which is even more embarrassing but they've made me this whole leaflet and booklet all about me and it was very 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 cute and I think it was their way of saying thank you um to you know creating the school and doing what I'm doing in terms of winning the award I was a little bit like oh my goodness me I'm I'm not really sure that I, I I'm that person I'm not really sure that that should be awarded to me and I actually said oh gosh I hope I live up to whatever expectations you have and everyone's nodding at me going uh yeah and I was <laughs> like oh but are you, are you sure um I think that what did it for me is how excited my immediate leadership team were like it was like they had won the award and there was balloons and cakes and I mean they were taking photos and sending it to all their family and I think for me that was the feeling I wanted of the celebration wasn't actually at all about me it was about the community that I serve, for want of a better word. I'm not going to lie. I was showered with gifts like you would not believe. My entire office was filled to the brim of gifts from the parents, the students and the staff. And I was so taken aback by everything about it, by the generosity. And actually anyone even cared. <laughs> but I know they do. But in terms of, I'm like, oh, thank you very much. And even now if I haven't seen that parent for a little while, they'll come and say how proud they are of me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Uh, you know, really pleased that you could, I could share that with you. And I think it's just a journey. So I don't really know how I feel, but I do know that my leadership team were delighted <laughs> and really celebrated. So that for me, that's it. We're, 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 all, we're all good. I suppose when, you know, you are the face of it, being the principal, it's kind of like the record, you know, it kind of rubs off on everybody. So, you know, for the parents, they're like, oh, yes, well, you know, our child goes to the school with, you know? So I suppose it's, it kind of develops and grows that connection outwards a little bit, which is, again, it goes back to the whole being proud to be purple and that whole community family feel because... Yes. Yeah, there has been purples into the school. Yeah. And there's like potential parents that have gone, is this the Safa school where the principal won the award? And I've, we go, oh, yes, that's me. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah, brilliant. See you in September. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other than obviously winning that award and, I mean, your career, I still am so, I just, I want to talk more actually at another time with you about going to India and all of the things that you did at the start of your career. Um. But what has been, and this is really a difficult question to ask, but what has been a standout career moment for you? Um, For me, that never changes, and I don't think it ever will. Um, I was literally uh, a new principal in my first year, and I was um, shipped into a school in special measures. 
and it was a national deprived school. And I was like, right, come on, guys, we can do this. Roll up your sleeves, let's get going. And um, I didn't sort of mince my words um, at the school. And I think the parents whom we were on, like the third generation of being on benefits. So that's the kind of school that it was. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't mince my words and I was really straight talking with them. And I think that that meant that they got on board behind me as a person quite quickly. I was probably number five principal they'd seen in a really short space of time. And it was like, oh, yeah, we've heard this all before. I'm like, guys, come on. Like, we can do this. And that school went from special measures to good with outstanding features in eight months. Oh, wow. Purely down to blood, sweat and tears of myself and the staff without a shadow of a doubt. Um, And I think that will always be my standout career moment when they said not only are you out of special measures but actually your teaching and learning got outstanding and the leadership got outstanding because of the focus that you've got and even now I read that report every so often when I'm feeling a bit kind of like it's been a really bad day and I do I have kept that uh, report the Ofsted report because I'm like what the actual inspector said I think it's really important to remember when things aren't going quite how I want them to go and I'm like oh no no we can do this this is you know we've got to dig deep or we've got to do it in a different way so that for me is probably my moment that I remember forever so I was this young principal first year into headship um I'd like to think I look young for my age. So no one ever actually knows how old I am. So I always love that. Um, (laughs) So I looked like I was about 20, allegedly. I obviously was not. And, um, And I think for me, that sort of drive and what we did with that school for its community will stay with me forever. So that would be my career moment I'm quite proud of that you can tell even now why wouldn't you be I mean even just the turnaround but for me listening to you and what you said there it's it's that almost the idea of standing in front of those parents for the first time and it's the one thing that you kind of it's the trust isn't it and it's the trust that I think we forget that you know their parents are dropping their children off every single day to our school or to your school or to the school that they've chosen for their children because they trust that we're going to do the very best. And I think that's something that can never, ever be forgotten. And I think we do forget, not in a bad way, forget it, but we just we just do, do it as part of the job. But just listening to you then and that whole thing of standing in front of those parents and, you know, they're weary. They, like you say, they'd heard this so many times. They'd seen so many different principles standing and doing the same thing. But to create that level of trust with people, that can never, ever be undervalued or taken for granted I think what won it for me with that particular um, parental group is there is a cooking sauce called chicken tonight in the UK or there certainly was at a time it was very popular and um, I took a jar of this chicken tonight in and went well I'm having this for my tea what is everyone else having and I think that broke down so many barriers instantly from them because I then wasn't this person stood in a suit as you well know I don't really wear suits I don't really feel it's appropriate um, to sort of have a very stiff jacket on Um, it's definitely my personality more than anything and I wasn't going to be this person that stood there in front of them telling them something 
when you know they're scrabbling around to make ends meet and uh, you know have they got 50p to put on the gas meter um and they don't i don't actually know if they have but actually to show them something that is within their price range and going well she's going to eat chicken tonight for her tea so actually yeah yeah we are as well or i might have that tomorrow miss and i think that for me was the turning point so highly recommend chicken tonight everyone <laughs> but again it isn't it it's just it's finding that in and whether that is with a child or with a parent or with a member of staff it, it is isn't it it's that it's that navigating and just finding that way to be on a similar level I guess yeah I try I try really hard each point um but yeah we'll see um I can't believe how quickly we are coming to the end of these questions but this is one I always like to ask people just because I'm really fascinated in people's opinions um I had my cousin who is also a head of English back in the UK she came on the show with me after Christmas and we just had a blast um and it was really funny because we never ever ever talk about work when we are together as a family um so it was actually quite eye-opening speaking to her as a fellow head of English doing this show. And our classroom practice was the same thing that we would send to Room 101. So I would be really interested, um, because you are so positive, what, I, I don't think I've ever heard you say anything negative, what would your classroom practice Room 101 choice be? I'm not sure I'd put anything in there, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, really, I really am not. I do like to be different, Rebecca. Um, and the reason I wouldn't is because I feel that unless you've tried it and it works because what works for some students doesn't work for others and I think that that's that is me in a nutshell it's got to be about individuals journeys so I wouldn't put anything in there because I never know when I might need that tool or that strategy for a child at some point so for me I'm not putting anything in there however if you asked me to lessen workload I've got a whole list of them um but I appreciate that some of them we do need and some of the things I have to produce as a as a principal is you know beyond me it really is an evidence for this and evidence for that um and you know I do it with a smile on my face but I wouldn't put any of the classroom practice in there are certain things I like to see more than others but I do have a but but I feel that there might be something or there's a room for everything if it's done well and done with sincere approach for the child. And that's when I know that it, you don't need to put anything in room 101. I think that is going to be, I don't think anyone's going to top that answer. I'm sorry to all future guests because um, <laughs> nobody, nobody's come up with that answer. Everyone's always got something that they really passionately, vehemently can't stand. Um, so that's absolutely brilliant because I, I just think to encapsulate everything that we have said about the school where we are, that kind of sums it up, to be honest. And every, it kind of actually sums up everything that you've said about leadership, about teaching, about working abroad. You've said so many times today during the conversation, you know, the centre of this is the children. It's always the children. I've got to make sure that the children, you know, every single child. And I think you've just encapsulated that in that answer. So thank you very much. That was a really nice way to kind of bookend it. Um, my last question for today and thank you so much. You've been such an incredible guest and I'm so glad you've joined me this evening. Um, 
what's the best piece of advice you've ever received when you know thinking about working teaching being with children what is it um i don't know whether it was advice about teaching i had a very formidable grandmother uh, growing up and she was very clear on always sticking to what's right and I think that I took that to be my values so you know you have a gut core that you know you don't deviate from and you know all of those kind of things so for me I always say to to people just stay stay with your gut because your gut will guide the way and I think that that is really true so you know you know when you're choosing when you're in education I always say you know, in recruitment, and you would have heard us say this several times last year and this year, it's not about you picking a school, it's also about the school picking you, it has to be mutual. And, you know, we always say to people that what you thought you might be getting when you came to Safford British isn't maybe what you thought. And that's okay. If you want to go off and do something else, there's no bad feeling. And I think for us, we want people to be in our building that genuinely love children and being in a community and the only way that you can do that is if you stay true to what is you so that's what I'd be saying is stay true to you because you you know what you want to achieve and on that note I mean Zara thank you so much stay true to you I think is such a wonderful thing and I think Anybody that's listened live today or is downloading the show, whether you are PGCE, NQT, ECT, 10 years in, I think that's something that we should always, you know, remind ourselves of. Um, I can't thank you enough, really, for being today's guest and joining me on the show. It's been an absolute delight um, to have you sharing your views and your ideas. I'm just literally watching my phone. Twitter's going off. So that's always a good sign. Um, so honestly, Zara, thank you so, so much. And for the people that have listened in today and have downloaded the show, thank you also. Um, Zara, I will see you tomorrow morning, bright and breezy. <laughs> bright and breezy. We will be there. Thank you we so much for letting me chat with you, Rebecca. I've thoroughly, you know, you know me, I love a chat and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody listening, I will be back same time next week with the Monday Drive Home Show. Um, have a fantastic week, everybody. And like I said, if you are on half term, enjoy every minute. And if you're back at school like we are, enjoy that too, because it's always there's always pockets of sunshine to find, especially during that cold February half term. Not that it's that cold where we are, Zara, but we'll, <laughs> we'll not dwell on that too much. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening, and I will see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.